heartbeat of the church here. We've talked about the sufficiency of Scripture. Talked about expository teaching. Talked about biblical eldership. A biblical understanding of manhood and womanhood. And all of those things flow from the Scriptures. For we have one authority. And we must always go back really to the first distinctive, to the sufficiency of Scripture. Believing that the sufficiency of Scripture speaks into every area of life, whether by specific words or by principles. And when we begin to tear that away and set that aside, we begin to lead ourselves into a way wherever we want to go is good for us. Much like the culture. Well, what's good for you is good for you, and what's good for me is good for me. One of the things we must always battle is a thing that I believe has crept into the church over the last hundred years called pragmatism. Pragmatism is, well, if it works, it must be God-ordained. And the way we define if it works is, do we see results? Do we see external numbers? I think we have to be careful as we talk about this because I think we can't just put a label to say people who, who tend to lean that way are bad people. There are many good intentioned people, but tend to set aside the authority of Scripture and to follow what they think works or what society says will work well. And I think it's an outflowing of a theology that says man has to make the choice and God is not sovereign. But if God is truly sovereign, he's given us the blueprint to how to do life. To know how to do everything for life and for godliness. And when we're speaking about the sufficiency of scripture, we said that scripture is sufficient for everything, for faith and for practice. And especially when it comes to the area of the church. And today as we look at our distinctive, the distinctive would be age integration. Reason we hold to this because of the sufficiency of Scripture. If you look in your bulletin with me, there, there's the text for us as we can see that together. It says, We believe in the beauty of God's design to call the family to worship together in the Lord's Day service. But often we'll stop there. But I want you to hear this next sentence very clearly. The reason we worship together on the Lord's Day is not because of our view of the family and the need to keep the family together. Instead, we worship together because of our understanding of the nature of the church as one body. There are other churches who would believe in age integration, but it would be sometimes to the elevation of the family, that it's the family to kind of keep the family together and the focus is on the family. But then again, that's just another form of pragmatism. Well, this is what works. But it's again, it's the sufficiency of Scripture. And the Scriptures teach us and show us what is the body of Christ. It is a united body. And we understand that a, a divided Age-segregated ministries is not a biblical model. For there is nowhere in the scriptures can you find that pattern. 
Scripture is to be our guide. And we often speak of a, of a phrase that maybe is not too familiar that we'll be speaking on more, but speaking about the regulative principle of worship. What, what, are, what I mean by that is we go to the Scriptures and we do what God commands us. There's another view that would say, well, it's the normative. Well, if God hasn't told us clearly we can't, therefore it's open game. And I believe there's a lot of error we can get ourselves into. And again, we bring a lot of pragmatism in that. But as we think about the importance of bringing ourselves together, I I remember uh, visiting a, a church similar to ours for the first time. And it's a learning process. Growing up in a, a neo-traditional church, uh, I stole that phrase from, uh, from Vody Bauckham because it's not a traditional church. It's really something that's been created more recently. That when we come to church, we do not come together. Mom and dad go one way, kids go another direction. And yet we do not see that as one, as the biblical pattern. But also we do see the pattern of Scripture is that the family of God and families as, as units as well are to worship together. As the book of Ephesians was being read, it was read to the church at Ephesus. And as it was being read to the church at Ephesus, there was instructions given to husbands. There was instruction given to wives. There was instruction given to slaves. And they didn't take that scroll and walk to another location and share the instruction to the children. Because they were there. They were there to hear the teaching of the word of God. And they were to hear it all together. But again, it is not because of our elevation of the family. It is because of, as as 1 Corinthians, we were reading in 1 Corinthians 11 earlier, the instruction about the Lord's Supper. But in chapter 12, it begins to say, For as the one body... Excuse me, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. We have all been commanded to gather together. We have not all been commanded to go different directions on the Lord's Day, but we have been called together. Another principle that we bring from Scripture in this is that the the regular, excuse me, the, uh, the regular principle of worship helps us understand who are the primary teachers in the church as it gathers. They are the elders. And we break this instruction in Scripture when we divide and we, we separate the teaching into various directions. We see that the primary discipleship of children is to be the parents as we see Deuteronomy 6. But it's the parents, specifically the father with his authority, bringing the family underneath the the leadership and the teaching of the elders of the church. And that is to be done together. We could also just look and to say, from a pragmatic standpoint, it is not working to divide the children. Dr. Alvin Reed has noticed that the largest rise of youth professionals in history has been accompanied by a decline in youth evangelism effectiveness. And I stand here as one who my major in college was youth ministry and music. Do I decry the institution I went to? Absolutely not. 
Are they well-meaning? Absolutely. Would I recommend the appropriate people to go to that institution? Absolutely. But when our thinking is more driven by culture, and not to say scripture is sufficient, as we bring all ages together, it reminds us that the gathering is not about us. I've been to a church that they say children are not allowed in the worship service for the concentration of the people. Yes, as you've seen even today, my wife and I have taken our children out because they've been a distraction. But that is not, the focus is not about me, it's about us. And it's an opportunity to show and to share the the picture of Christ. I want my children to see the example of other older people, older in the faith. To see the example of their heartfelt worship, singing praise to God. And not to train from an early age that it's about me when I come to church on Sunday. It's about God that we are coming to gather and to worship. But we do believe that this is somewhat of a distinctive. And it is a learning process. It's a learning process for all of us. For us older people, sometimes we hear noises. And it should be a joy to hear those noises. But for the younger, it's a learning process too. As we all, old and young, strip away those selfish desires. But most of all, to understand we come here to be a picture of the body of Christ to the world. Where else in the world do we see people of all ages gathering in one place? Okay, maybe some sporting events. But we have come not for a sporting event, not for a self-gratification, but for a God-exalting gathering. To follow as he has commanded us. We see the example in Nehemiah 8 when Ezra stood to read the law. Everyone was gathered uh, together. Sorry I didn't have that text ready to read for you. And we see the picture in the book of Acts as the apostle Paul was teaching late into the night. Uh, The young people were there and even one fell asleep and fell out the window and died. And Paul had to bring him back to life. We follow that picture. Again, not because it is an easy picture. It would be easier as a parent to ship my kids off somewhere else so that I can hear the message. But that is not what the body of Christ has been designed to be. It has been designed to be a picture to the world and to us of the unity we have in Christ alone. And so we, based upon the sufficiency of Scripture and the pattern of Scripture, we hold to age integration. Not a, we don't back down on that. And we believe it is a beautiful thing, as we state in the statement, we believe in the beauty of God's design. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, we continue to, as a church body, to conform our lives to the pattern of your word. And Lord, As you've brought us along this far, Lord, you have so much more to teach us. But Lord, may we continue to just dive into your word. May you give us understanding as we flesh it out. And Lord, forgive us for how we have fallen short. Forgive us for mistakes. And thank you for your forgiveness that you restore us into that right relationship. And again, we pray that anything that we do would just be a reflection of your beauty and your grace. Lord, use us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.